Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the Star Wars podcast coming to you from a galaxy far, far away. Today we're going to be talking about the Skywalker family at Warbook by Kristen Baber, which was released last month and landed on our proverbial doorsteps the very same day. Now, we've been quite excited about this when we first saw it was going to be launched. It came out of the blue and uh, not out of the blue milk, just out of the blue. And we ordered it, inevitably, because we're good Star Wars geeks, and it generated some mixed reactions, to say the least. But it's a really, really interesting book. So we're going to talk about that all day today. That's the dedication for the entire episode. But, of course, before we get to that, I should just tell you that I'm Mark Asquith, one of your hosts, and joining me in the pilot seat, now I've got to say that because it gets a bit upset, is Mr. G. Aylert. G. Aylert. Yeah, miss. How are you? Hey, up. Hey, up. I get a bit upset, do I? Yeah. A little bit. bit. Oh, you play it down now. Like, look at me, I'm a bloke, I'm hard. I don't oh, have emotions. Yeah. Oh, that's correct. You'd have come through that wall if I had. So, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. No, I do get upset. No, I don't. A little bit. You do. I'm good, though. I'm good, dude. I'm glad that we've got a review. It's nice to mix it up a bit because we've done the same format. Which is not our fault. There's just been plenty of stuff to talk about with Star Wars each week, which has been good. But now we've got a bit of a change up. It's review. We're in Review City. And we're on a first class train to the middle. So, yeah, it's good. What, the, to the middle of what? The middle of the city. Review City. It's like, review City, right? It's like, you know, Emerald City. It's like, you know, that's the capital, the, the epicenter of where the reviews happen. We're on our way there. By the end of the show, we would have, we would have arrived. It's a little metaphor for... We'll have arrived. It's a metaphor for doing a review. Jesus Christ. You can tell it's Friday. Right. I can tell. That is loose at best. But that's all right, because we're on that train, and we're travelling 300 mile an hour. We're in Japan, and uh, we're heading straight <laughs> to the centre of Review City. All right, I can get on board with that one. And we are going to talk about that book, and it's, um, it's interesting. I know we've sort of dotted it in and around the old podcast over the last few weeks. You're right, there we can confuse for on the on the video. Why do you look confused? I'm not confused, I'm just frowning. <laughs> That's a sign of confusion if ever I've seen it. Oh. Anyway, before we get to that, uh what's been going on in Star Wars land for you this week, dude? Have you uh have you caught up with Bad Batch? Have you done anything else Star Wars? Bad batch for me, dude. Badass batch. Badass batch, indeed, yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm not going to talk about that too much, though, because we have got that on the radar to review shortly. The old Bad Batch stuff. Mm. Episode two onwards. So that's been good. Um, I'm gutted that I missed out on the old uh, on the old R2-D2 Lego set. I'm gutted about that. 
because I thought that, you know, Star Wars being one of the more sort of lesser known franchises, I thought that they would just have thousands in stock laying around the warehouse. So I would just pick one up when it landed. Very niche. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, alas, no, my, uh, my, my reluctance to pull the trigger early has now scolded me. So yeah, I'm very jealous because I know you got yours delivered, didn't you? Nice and prompt from Lego. So yeah. Have you started it yet? Nah, I've got a uh, a Lego Grogu to do, which is laid out on my carpet down here, and then I've got R2 next to it. Um, so Grogu's like 1,034 pieces, and this one's like 2,300, so it's going to take a long time. Yeah. Um, and the box is huge, man. Like, the box is, is mahoosive, so I'm looking forward to it. I was, a, I was a little bit like that as well. I was a little bit like, ah, oh, God, it's like 180 quid to do it, but, you know, why not? And, uh, like I even ordered it on, I think the Sunday when it came out on the f- Saturday and it was, it was like, yeah, this is back order. You know, you're going to get it in, in, on, on the 12th of May and it came a couple of days early, but yeah, it's sold out now. It's not even like you can back order. It's just sold out, isn't it? Which is, uh, which is, which is surprising. I have to admit, I know Star Wars is very, very popular, but I did think that you would just be able to keep pre-ordering it and just, you know, continue kind of the cycle. But it's interesting that they've actually closed the sales down for that. So good luck. Good luck getting that, dude. Mm. Well, look, speaking of uh, stuff, we talked about this on Twitter. Um, my week has been drunkenly ordering <laughs> Star Wars books. I wasn't that drunk. How many have I had this week? Um, Saturday night, a couple of whiskeys, uh, and... Uh, Ordered all the novelizations. And they all came apart from Rise of Skywalker, which makes me think it's even shitter than I remember because they don't want me to have it. Or, it's not or it's more yet. popular because it's sold out. Nah, it's not. They're just not printing it. Different angle. But, Different. but yeah, yeah, I did. I knew but, I knew that you were you were drunkenly I knew that you were pissed when you did that because you ordered the novelizations of the films. And we've never spoken about them, and they're not the type. They're not the type of book because when Mark and I order Star Wars books, they're normally the the the, the novels that are you know up and coming, or you know fairly popular ones like the Thrawn stuff and you know all of those sorts of books from Del Rey and stuff. We never or, or the coffee table books at most. We never talk about the um, the film novelizations, but yeah. So I knew that was a bit of a drunkard thing before I got to the end of your tweet. I was like, yeah, he was drunk. And then was it whiskey? You're like. There was no admittance, but you just said bit. So I knew that you were lashed on the old whiskey, mate. Bit of it. I've still got the bottles. I got five bottles out to try and like, just think to myself, what, you know, what shall I do? What shall I drink? Uh, Ended up on the five bottles of whiskey. Just the five drinks for me last night. And yeah, uh, yeah. so the bottles are still out. That's how bad it is. Um, But I'm looking forward to reading them, actually, if I'm honest with you. I did buy them for a reason. Figured I'd get under the skin of them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to read mine, actually. I've just pulled this off the shelf. This is like a special edition. Uh, listeners can't see this, but Mark can. It's like a special edition that I got from Canada. It's like silver pages. It's the original trilogy. Oh, that's Novelization, cool. dude. Love it. I haven't opened it yet. One thing I forgot to mention, though, in terms of what I've done for Star Wars, I got this bad boy delivered. I forgot I ordered it. So this is the, oh. yeah, the Darth Vader, um, Ralph McQuarrie concept series, Funko Pop. I ordered mm. this months ago, man. I completely forgot. And it turned up yesterday. So bonus winning at the week. Yep. 
Oh, I like stuff like that when it when stuff like that turns yeah, up. Yeah. yeah. Now I wonder if that uh, trilogy book, which looks badass by the way, because I got the trilogy one as well. I wonder if it's just the same book, but yours looks like ten times better. Like, Content's you know? probably the same, mate. It's just wrapped in a nice. Just yeah, yours looks yeah. mint. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward. I am actually genuinely looking forward to it, especially the Rise of Skywalker one. All joking aside, you know the film was crap. So let's figure it out. Let's see what the sitch is. Let's see if there's any more in there that's going to make it more interesting. There normally is. Um, I've only read one novelization yeah. of the films, and that was Attack of the Clones. Mm. I don't know why I picked that. I think I got it at the airport, maybe, <laughs> years ago. wanted something to read. That is the yeah. worst one, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> on that note, actually, I think I was inspired by this Skywalker Family at War book uh, to do that. So let's get to that review. Um Skywalker Family at War, then, it's a, it's a, a, almost a kind of a biographical look at the Skywalker family across all generations. Written by Kristen Baver. Uh, it came out a few weeks ago. It's got a very original trilogy-esque feel to it on the cover. Um, it sort of looks a bit like an old library book that you see, like the way that it's packaged and the spine and everything is sort of like that. But what it does is it tells the story of the Skywalker family, plus some other supporting characters, which is quite interesting. Um, and it does so by focusing on each of the trilogies, if you like, and also kind of a little bit sometimes somewhere of the sort of the fillers, the bits in between the trilogies. Only, only sparsely, but some very pertinent pieces. So... Let's give it a score, and then we'll dig into it, all right? So let's get the gut reaction score. So, out of 10, guys, what is your score for Skywalker Family at War? Score for me, dude, would be a 5. Oh, controversial. Middle of the road. Mm. <clears throat> Middle of the train track <laughs> as we head down Review City. All right. What about you? Well, I'm going to give this like a six and a half. Six and a half. I was going to get a seven, but that edges on good. <laughs> it edges towards the good and end, does it? It does. It does. It does. Well, let's get into some of the. Let's get into some of the why. Then, well, I'm sure we'll dig into some of this in some depth. But what's the what's the the one sentence reasoning for for the seven? Uh, sorry, for the five seven. One sentence. <clears throat> uh, I'm not the target audience, and so it left me feeling uninspired to watch Star Wars. Mm. I think. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, okay. I get that, actually. And, and mine would be similar in that if you have never seen Star Wars, this sort of replaces it, but I gave it the 1.5 extra over, over the 5 because I think that it does a good job of replacing right. it. That makes sense. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. All right. Good, 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 good. Well, this has been Spark Rebellion. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Kristen, Kristen, <laughs> this is no criticism on your writing, by the way. I know Kristen's listening to this app. It's not. She a, is. And if she's not, she should yeah. be. Well, that's one thing. Actually, that's a great place to start, all right? Because I actually thought outside, and this is not Kristen, this is the editing outside of the abundance of errors in the book that got through the editing, there's at least 
two that I've got written down, but I know there were more. So page 156, there's like a missing word. There's an extra word in certain places. There are missing full stops and all sorts of crap. Like, out. that's not the writer. That's the editor, all right? That's shite. <laughs> so let's forget that stuff. But that, did I like, did that, did you notice that? Did that stand out to you? Because isn't that, that, you never see that or you rarely see that, mm. dude. There was a few places where I noticed there were two the, the's together. Another mm-hmm. place, there was a couple of ands together. Uh, and yeah, I noticed a couple of missing full stops as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not the, I'm not any sort of literary, literary kind of, you know, genius or anything like that. And And at the same time, I don't jump on Twitter and start, you know, complaining. But yeah, I did notice a few bits of grammar that weren't, weren't quite there. I get that. Right. Speaking of that generalization, one thing that we've really got to applaud on this though, dude, is the level of research. Like, this is deep. I bet there was so much reading done or so much collaboration with those other writers. I bet it was a lot of fun, actually. Um, but I bet, but it was really tough to stay in canon. You know, very tough to write this and remain in canon. Uh, in canon, so you've got to wonder, like, what parameters did she have to stay within? You know, what, what, what was she allowed to include? Was it just anything that we can put our hands on as being canon? You know, did she have any opportunity to add to the canon? Um, so first up, like, what did you make of the generalization of of the canon overall? The, like the research that went into it, and that you know that level of depth that she brought to it. Yeah, that was impressive to a degree. Although I do feel like there was a, there was probably a lot of hand-holding going on. That's the impression I got, especially if you read so the acknowledgement section at the end of the book. She basically says that there was just a bunch of people at Lucasfilm who were involved in the book as well, notably the, um, the story group. So Pablo Hidalgo, those guys. And then she went on to mention a few other people, and there's a couple of people that we follow on Twitter who are deeply entrenched in... Star Wars and the Lucasfilm stuff and have been for a long time. So they know all this stuff inside out. Probably the stuff that's in the book is probably just in their heads naturally anyway. So I feel like, yeah, it is impressive. And the general kind of let's tell people the the canonized version of how these characters and uh, it goes kind of through three eras, three sections, doesn't it? Really, I suppose you've got the Anakin stuff, then you've got Luke and Leia, and then you've got Ray and Kylo with the dyad and all that stuff. So, like you said earlier, it's kind of a replacement for the films, and the way that Kristen puts it puts it through, it's all it's it's almost like uh, I can't decide if it's it's almost like a biographical external viewpoint of the Skywalkers and stuff, but at the same time, it's also like this is going to sound very weird, but. Christine just popped up at various points in time as a reporter on set, you know, not even on set, but actually in the film. And she's like noting stuff down. So yeah, from a general canon sort of thing, it's impressive the way that it's been written as like a telegraph story. But at the same time, I don't feel like, because you said it's impressive. A lot of reading was involved in that sort of stuff. And I think she does say in that same section at the back that, She's been writing for StarWars.com for many years and, you know, she's been a fan. So I feel like 80% of it was probably in her head. The other 20% just at the end of an email and phone call anyway. So, yeah, it's impressive to a degree, but it's nothing 
sort of out of the ordinary. There's no, there wasn't any bit in the book where I thought, oh my God, how did we not know that? There wasn't any moments like that, mm. put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a compilation and a curation. Um, and I think what's interesting to that point, dude, is um, like I personally really enjoyed from the Clone Wars bit right up to the Battle of Jakku because that's the bit that's been fleshed out in the wider canon. And for me, what was fascinating with it, it brought together all of the elements of every single era as they exist in canon today into one cohesive story. So there were elements of Master and Apprentice, there were elements of Queen Shadow, all these little plot points that sort of all been brought together. And I think it's the first time that we've seen that, apart from the, you know, when we, when we heard Luke say Darth Sidious, in Last Jedi, you're like, oh, crap, they are related. We don't just have to believe it because it's been marketed. Like, look, they've said it. The character has said it. Like, that to me was interesting, that that they'd really brought that together as a cohesive, single story. And I think that writing on, the sorry, that fly-on-the-wall style thing was sort of intentional. Um, but the one thing that I really want to, well, probably two sides of the same coin, one thing I want to spend a bit of time on, I think, is, dude, Less than 21% of the entire book was focused on the sequel trilogy, 60 pages out of 292, and half the book, half the book, 50%, leaving 30% for the original trilogy, 50% was focused on the prequels, which I think says a hell of a, hell of a, hell of a <laughs> lot. Not, not because... There is more material in canon because it's not like they recapped the entire Clone Wars. I think it's personally testament to the quality of the idea of the prequels versus it's almost proportionate. Like the original trilogy, it stands out as just a classic, but we know it wasn't fleshed out fully until it was finished. The prequels were fully formed. And then the sequel trilogy has been thrown together. And I think there is no better representation of that than this book. Mm -hmm. Do you know what, I, you know what I'm getting at yes. with that? Yeah, totally, dude. Yeah, I did notice that as I was going through those first few chapters, I was like, okay, she's really diving into the details around, um, around Anakin as he's going through his different phases of his life. So she, it wasn't like a year-by-year account as he grew up but it was de she definitely focused more and in more detail around those little key elements as he's going through and he gets you know i felt like with the anakin stuff she she combined all those little details with this kind of overriding sort of journey to the dark side and she sort of noted those little key events and moments as we go through anakin's life and then when you get to the original trilogy stuff and then the, the sequel stuff those ones felt like more of a gloss over. It felt like these have been, especially the original trilogy era, you guys know all this stuff. So I'm not going to go into all of the detail. And plus, it's probably not there anyway. I'd be make it got to the point where if she was to go into any more detail, that would probably be more beyond the novel fiction side of things because you'd have to start creating stuff. And it wouldn't be as factual as it felt with the prequel stuff, but definitely do. The prequel stuff was, and that's really important though, because um, everybody just went to town on George when they, when they came out, didn't they? And everyone said, the politics is too heavy. 
the you know this just doesn't feel like Star Wars. And now here we are, X amount of years later, and it's like actually, it's probably the most rounded, um, fleshed out, character driven bit of Star Wars. And that's that's not by accident. And everybody thought it was. Everybody thought, oh, he's just winging it. He's just you know trying to do this whatever. And then yeah, now we've got all the animated stuff which is around the Clone Wars era. You know all this stuff. So yeah. Agreed. But I, I like that, though. I, I like that we, it was focused more on those early years for Anakin and, and Darth Vader, defo. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I'm with you. And I remember reading it and thinking to myself, holy crap, this is just a... And we said it in, in, the, in one of the episodes. We were like, this is just a recap of the prequels so far. And then I was like, well, wait a sec, actually. There are two things that kind of sprung through, you know, sprung into my mind as I read through it. Like you said, the Anakin story of Anakin going to the dark side, you know, clearly couldn't have been fleshed out that much in the in in, in three movies, you know, and and all the little, like you said, she picked up the beats. Like one interesting beat that she picked up was um, when Obi Wan goes undercover, and you know, Anakin thinks he's dead, and you're like, what? A, why include that? until you step back and realise that she's lining up all the reasons that Anakin, in one place, telling the tale of why Anakin's mind shifted. And that's why I think this book is... That's why I give it the six and a half, because you get two sides to the prequels that you never see. You get the view of Anakin from other people's perspective in the same place that you get commentary from within Anakin's mind. Yeah, yeah. And we've never had that. You know, um, so for me that was really, really fascinating. And th- then to bring in all of these other things, like um, you know, when Anakin goes off to try and rescue Padme, and, and you know, Thrawn turns up. You know, that's one of the Thrawn books. He goes off to rescue her, and like this, so it's sort of it's a passing glance, it's a passing mention in this book. And you're like, well, of course he fucking ran off to get his missus. Of course he <laughs> did. But it starts to line up when you see when you're watching it in the Clone Wars. You're just like, well, that's a really, that's okay, that's a really badass like, sort of relationship. And you read it in the Throne Brook and you're like, oh, that's quite a cool little story. But you read it here in context and you're like, well, of course he rushed off to do it. And th- some of the other stuff as well, like around, um, like the way he was, um, it was, it was like Shmi's outcome in life, you know, the fact that she was a slave and, 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 I'd never, I'd never thought about it as Anakin thinking that he was now the slave to the Jedi ways. You know, he'd not really escaped being a slave. He'd just become a slave to something else. And none of that has been addressed. So that commentary on that really, really interested me. Mm. Um, and I thought that's why... I sort of was a bit miffed that it was just recapping the prequels until I understood what it was doing. Um, and then I started to appreciate it a little bit more. And I think when you juxtapose that, juxtaposition records, I think when you juxtapose that with the dyad stuff later mm. like surprisingly little is known or mentioned about ben's early years because guess what we don't have any damn books about it yet you know so she couldn't add to the canon so i thought that was i thought that was fascinating man really interesting how she chose those beats yeah yeah and it was cool that like you mentioned we had that commentary from anakin's perspective and she really hammered home that the concept which I think George was more than anything was trying to get across on screen as well was Anakin's just continual conflict with never being settled or being happy. And like you said, he's gone from being a slave, you know, in the traditional sense 
to being a slave to something else and not really knowing it. You know, he felt like towards the end that the Jedi Order had sold him sort of a bad bill of goods and he ended up, you know, so that whole conflict was there. And she does pick up on that. She does repeat it a little bit. So she, when she later on in the book, uh, when she's talking about Luke, there's a little bit around that. And then there's a little bit, obviously, around that with Ben Solo, uh, a.k.a. Kylo. So we have that stuff. So there are some repeating themes, and I think that was important to do that because that's also what we see in the in the movies, but they're just, they lose their way a little bit with that stuff, especially when we get into the sequels. So she's consistent with that for sure. Um, did you also, what did you think to, um, when we when we do get on to the, the original trilogy stuff, what did you think to some of the stuff that she was saying around Leia as well? Because every time we talk about Skywalkers and there's any story or stuff like that, it's mm. always Luke focused most of the time. So it was cool to have, stuff written about she you know she that area of the book was about the twins she didn't say luke and leia and stuff like that so that was cool that we got quite a bit of leia you know thrown into the mix because it could have been just about luke again and just his sister doing the odd bit so that was cool that they almost had equal waiting until we until we got onto the luke rebuilding the jedi order and stuff well, it feels like Luke rebuilding the Jedi Order was like serving the sequel trilogy, um, you know, and adding the foot footers for that, really. But yeah, I, I was kind of fascinated by that as well. I, I made a few notes on that in, in that, um, <clears throat> like, the original trilogy is framed by the prequel trilogy. Like, you sort of don't need to explain why the Empire is doing the thing and why Darth Vader is doing the thing, because we got that in the prequel part of it. So for me... The, the original trilogy felt less skimmed over. It felt more like it was it was a genuine sequel to the prequels, and the prequels had done all the setup. Like if you think about, you know, you're telling a story. The prequels had done all the exposition at the beginning, and the original trilogy in this case, in this book, was just there to to be the continuation of. Look, the kids have grown up. Here's how they redeemed, you know, Darth Vader. Um, and that's that's sort of what what was interesting to me there is that it felt less less skipped over and more that the prequels had done the exposition. Um, to the layer point, it was interesting because I think some of the layer stuff, um, like um, what's his name, that Castorfo or whatever, you know, the, the 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 kid's name that she has a bit of a fling with when she's like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen in the books. All of that is included in in the original trilogy part here. And it's it's the twins. So what it brings again, it's it's like it's like the Snyder cut <laughs> for Star Wars because it brings all these extra bits of information in. And um, I, I thought it was very interesting about with Leia where she sort of came across Han, and it was she reminds he reminds her of this guy from this random book in canon, and just these little connections that this Christian Baver had made for the characters or that the story group had made for the characters that didn't originally exist and I think that worked really well I think like you know like that Vader's hunt for Luke that was that was covered um the solo movie was alluded to when we talked about Han and it was just I I, I liked that they'd focused that original trilogy on the three characters yeah yeah and really hammered that plus Ben Kenobi as well and uh, you know the famous General Skywalker and General Kenobi synonymous with, you know, whatever in in the galaxy from the Clone Wars, how they'd pulled that through to the original trilogy and how they'd kind of pitched that. But then what I thought, kind of just pushing ahead a little bit too quick on the on the on the sequel trilogy though, like the quality of that first eighty percent of the book 
when it came to the, uh, and I say the quality of the book, I'm talking about the quality of the material that it was pulling together. It just made the sequel trilogy feel worse. <laughs> like, to me, it just made, there were some cool things like, you know, Ben feeling as unaccomplished at 24 as Anakin did at 24. And, you know, that, 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 the nature of Ben being very much like Anakin. Um, that was kind of nice. But it just made the sequel trilogy feel nonsensical and completely disjointed. It was like up until the last 20%, these last 60 pages, this is Anakin Skywalker's story. Mm. And then the rest of it, the sequels are just like, yeah, it's just lightsabers and force and like takeovers and stuff, you know? Yeah. It just, it, it really highlighted how bad that sequel trilogy was for me. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree, dude. And that's, you can tell that's kind of the case with Chris then as well, because um, you would have thought that Disney or Star Wars, Lucasfilm, whatever, they would have said, look, we really need our books to be pushing the sequel trilogy a bit because fan scores and fan reviews, whatever, it's not really hitting the mark, especially with The Rise of Skywalker. So let's put some extra effort in to get that stuff. Because uh, there was that whole thing online, wasn't there, when The Rise of Skywalker came out? I think it was... Oh, who was it? Will Wheaton even, or somebody like that, had replied to Lucasfilm and Disney and said, well, I shouldn't have to read a book to know what's going on with the film sort of thing. And that snowballed into this big thing. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right, dude. The only bit that I found cool uh, was right at the very end, actually, when Ray, when she talks about Ray going back to Tatooine. And she said that... Uh, um, taken on the Skywalker name. She basically says she was brave enough to conquer the worst facets of herself and earned her place as a Skywalker by choice, not by birth. And I think that really hit home because that so many people were miffed at that in the film. Everyone said that there's, she's not Sky, you know, what's going on? She's not a Skywalker. But when you read that in context with how Ray had, you know, battled whatever she had to battle to get to that point it wasn't really put across across well enough in the film it almost felt like just a lazy call kind of uh at the end well what's your name well is she saying it because she doesn't want to reveal her real name she could have said anybody she's just whipped that name out of the air sort of thing but when you read it in context like everything that she's gone through right from the force awakens you know she feels like she's earned that name uh, because she's buried both uh, Luke and Leia's lightsabers. She's put it all to rest. And she's now custodian of that family's kind of legacy, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I thought that was cool. But the rest of the sequel trilogy stuff was just paint by numbers almost. It was. It didn't go into as much detail and have as much substance to it, especially as the prequel era stuff that she went through. So, yeah, man, I agree with you. Sequel stuff, not hitting the mark in the book. It's okay, but just wasn't as good as the other eras that she went through. Yeah, it's just it's just weak in context against the other two sets of trilogies, and I think it was summed up. I, I really like that kind of um, you know in, in, in being imbued with the ethics of the Skywalkers and the the morale of the Skywalkers. That's a really good perspective, man. And I think um, that that context is something that will just be continued to be fleshed out. I think it has to be, you know, and and much to the annoyance of the fandom, I'm sure. But still, that's that's what will happen. And 
I think the thing that summed it up for me on the on the sequel trilogy was just there's one line in there which is like, <clears throat> excuse me, oh yeah, there's a dyad, you know, dyad, forced dyad, these are badass, these are <laughs> badass. And then you're like, ooh, cool, we're going to get some new dyad stuff. And then the line comes along, which is the precise cause and nature of a dyad is shrouded in mystery. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, that's because you don't know. Like, no, it's just been... They've not taken any time to even bother with this. They're just like, we need these two to be able to communicate. Yeah, it's called a dyad. Yeah, that's it. And we'll let someone else write a book about it. And even now, they've not fleshed it. And they've written a damn book about it. And they're just like, yeah, still don't know about that. Who knows what that's all about? But I, li- I like that, though. I hate it. I like it. I like it. And the reason why I like it is because I'm a huge fan of the Force in general being this mystical thing. I really don't like the whole midichlorians thing. You know, that's too that makes it too sciency for me. The whole midichlorians thing. So the fact that the dyad's part of the force and stuff is miss, you know, there isn't much on it. I like that. You know, the force should be nobody should ever know everything about the force. You know, it should be a continual learning curve even for the most powerful Sith or Jedi whatever. So the fact that they started to dive into the midichlorians thing, it was just uh, you know, the, I don't know. Some fans like it. The whole that whole blood count, you know, as a kind of a passage from physical anatomical form through to the force and how mm. you know all that stuff. Whatever. But yeah, I, I quite like it, dude. Bit of mystery. Well, I like. The, I do like the idea of the mystery. Um, but it's more what I don't like about it. Like I like the concept of the dyad, and I like the and I'm with you on the force. Like we've seen a lot of the stuff in the, the High Republic that's kind of teaching about the force, and in the Throne books, you know, people calling it the Beyond and Third Sight and all these other things. Um, what I don't like about it is that they're not they're continuing to not add context. So there's not. This was a perfect opportunity to say. Um, and it, it might be in the last Jedi novelization, ironically, but it might be a, 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 a way of being able to say, here's how Ray felt when communicating with Kylo and what the force was manifesting like in her or what Kylo Ren felt like or what that, you know, was he there all the time? How did they, t- how did they initiate the communication? Like what I'm talking about is there's no, they're the perfect opportunity to add context to the one instance that we've seen that dyad. Rather than, you know, I'm not in, not too fussed on, like you said, what is a dyad? Why does it exist? But just there's no context. It was just, yeah, dyad exists. We literally <laughs> don't know anything about it and we're not going to tell you anything else. And you just, I think when something's such a throwaway MacGuffin like that, it just, it's this thing that you're constantly looking for and it serves a plot point just to get over something. And you're just like, oh, fucking hell. Come on, like we can do better. We're more talented than that. But I don't know. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll come out in the wash. Um, Mabes, yep. Mabes, dude. Mabes. Um, one thing that I wanted to pick up on. Um, page two thirty two. Right. It says that Ray was sold by her parents to be an indentured servant like Shmi and Anakin. Mm. But I don't think it's ever been told that way before. She was left. By Palpatine's kid in the hands of the guy, forget his name, and looked to be looked over. She scavenged and traded for food. So she's not she wasn't serving anyone. She wasn't a slave. She was selling the stuff to the guy. Has this been said elsewhere? Have I like have I missed it? Or, which I think is more likely, is it a play in the book and in new canon 
to sort of retcon things a little bit and try and align Ray more with the Skywalker name. Hmm. Um, uh, That's a real big one, dude. We haven't got enough time to dive into that, I don't think. I think that's a huge... uh, In a nutshell... I don't know. I don't think it's a retcon. I think it's more of a. People were disappointed with how Ray was handled and her past in the movies. Let's just throw a few little bits on the fire and just create a bit more smoke for now. And we'll, we'll come back mm. to it with another book. Yeah. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's too retcon It's just intentional. I certainly think yeah. it's, I think it's a way of trying to align her with, with, with Anakin. Uh, yeah, possibly. I don't know. No. Those kids. No. No. Those kids. All right, well, we're going to stick a pin in it. We're uh, we're we're running uh, a bit short on time today. I know that we did some work stuff beforehand, but yeah, okay. Just just to recap, then. Um, any any bits that we've not covered there, dude, that you want to get through? Um, any kind of bits in recap that you want to chew on for a little while? Uh, no, I don't think so, dude. I think. Um I echo your thoughts, though. I think the prequel stuff was really fleshed out pretty well. Uh, original trilogy stuff was quite good. I like the fact that we had a lot of stuff with Leia as well as Luke. That was cool. Mm-hmm. And yes, the sequel stuff needed a bit more. Um, but the book was, you know, getting on a bit at that point. Uh, what do you think to the pictures? A little picture section. Nothing special, just screen caps and promo shots we've seen. Uh, it was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, so I'll stick by the five out of ten, I think, dude. Um I just don't. Th- if you've if you've seen the films once before in your life, and you want to go and recap a little bit, it's a good book. If you've seen the films like we have, you know, double digits, triple digits, then yeah, it's just more of a you know a companion book, I suppose. And I think it's also good for those who want to dig into the canon a little bit more. Like for me, it would be you know for someone that's not seen the movies, but are maybe just rediscovering their Star Wars love you know, where would you start? Well, don't worry about having to worry about all this canon stuff. Like, here's the quick overview of not just the movies, but some of the bits from the novelization. So that at least if you think in a year's time, do you know what? I am going to le- read that uh, that Princess Leia book. You're like, ah, okay, that Rando Costofo, whatever his bloody name is. Okay, I, I sort of recognize how he fits into the future. Um, so I think it's quite nice from that perspective as well. Um, you know, just... For maybe a revisiting fan that's getting into canon fresh, um, I think it would be quite interesting. But yeah, could have been a little better, I'm sure, but that would have included adding more stuff to canon, which I don't think was the remit for this book, was it, dude? Nope. No, no, no. no that would have been silly. Yeah. Hit the brief. She's hit the brief, everyone. <laughs> All right, guys, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure to chat to you about Star Wars. Thanks to all of our patrons uh, over on patreon.com slash sparkofrebellion who continue to support us, to Sean and the team over there for continually sticking by us and helping us to produce the show. Thank you so much. If you want to chat about this book, Skywalker Family at War, at rebellion underscore spark on the old Twitter and search for Spark Rebellion on any other social media platform of your choosing and we'll be there to have a bit of bants with you 
Until the next time, next week we're going to talk Bad Batch and probably pick up a little bit of news. But we are going to dig into at least two episodes, if not three episodes, of the Bad Batch and sort of give our take on them as well. So until the next time, it's a goodbye from me and a cheers, guys. Always a pleasure, my main man. Indeedy, dude. Enjoyed going through the book review. It was good to, uh, to get that fleshed out. And we will see you next week for another episode. Until then, please take care of yourself and may the force be with you always.